0: So um, I set out trying to figure out how to take the, the truth. They're going to endorse Biden. but the bad blood between Today, President Biden meeting with his national security team. In and all this so personally, this isn't personal.
1: When you look at the inequalities in America, in education, you know, home ownership, employment and wealth, health care. Can you admit that there, America is systemically and structurally a racist country?
0: I think culture has a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. right? But it's more of if you look at how do you fix it, Because even right? when you
1: say all men are created equal, no, they weren't, because we were labeled three fifths of a human. <laughs> Black so, people were
0: right, and we made that wrong right, mm-hmm. and we've got some more rights we have to do. But this so, is so
1: systemically and structurally, do you think America has is racist? Not not the people, not not everybody in America. Is, I don't is,
0: think America is racist. I think we have racism in America, and, and I think and I think we have cultural issues, but
1: happy friday and welcome to the deal i'm your host ed clark it is friday february 2nd 2024 and uh the year is zooming by uh thank you so much for taking the time to join us uh val atkinson is going to be in with us uh and uh we'll bring him in in just a moment but uh first of all i can uh give a programming note um you can always catch uh, past episodes of The Deal on the TheDealWithEdClark.com. You can also uh, go uh, on Facebook, uh, Spotify, all, all different platforms. So please uh, consider uh, signing up on one of the platforms uh, and becoming a subscriber to the show. Uh, that we'd greatly appreciate. It. In, in the lead-in to the show, uh, you saw a number of clips like you normally do. And one of the clips was of, uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, Nikki Haley was recently on Charlemagne's show, uh, talking about, uh, racism, you know, or what she perceives is that there's no racism in America, which I think is a dubious claim, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, uh, Val Atkinson, let me, uh, Let's bring Val in. Uh, Val, what do you think about Nikki Haley and her claim that there's been no racism in America?
2: She's trying to have it both ways. She's trying to cite these instances of racism, trying to say that I have commonality with you, the people who have been victims of racism in America. I have a bond with you. But at the same time, there is no racism. So I'm still a good Republican. And, you know, you just can't have it both ways. But that's the motivation for Nikki. And it's surprising to me, and I know you're going to talk about origins and Cass and Isabella Wilkinson a little later, but it's surprising to me how she can have the background, she being Nikki Haley, have the background that she has with her father being a Sikh and that kind of thing, and come out with the positions that she has. She should talk to Mr. Jindal for a minute and find out what his aspirations were and then uh, what his revelations came to be. Uh, Maybe she could learn from that, learn vicariously from that as to how to move forward uh, as a non-white person in America. It's a special trick to do that. And she uh, has missed the first rung on that ladder. That is the first rung of admitting the truth that America was, and to an extent still is, a racist country. And then go about the business of correcting those faults and making up for those uh, bad things that uh, white Americans have done in the past.
1: Yeah, you have to be intellectually honest, right? Uh, you, you have to just look at what the Constitution said when they when they signed it. And it said that black people were not citizens, Native Americans were not citizens, and the reason for that is that they were inferior people, or or maybe not even people at all, because the black ones could be owned. And the Native people could be killed at will and the land taken over for manifest destiny, right? That God really wanted white folks to have control of the land because clearly the Native Americans, they weren't smart enough to do all the nice stuff that Europeans were doing, which is, you know, becoming industrialized or whatever. And if you didn't aspire to do that, then there had to be something wrong with you. I mean, so, so, so it takes, you got to make the, the, it's not even a leap. You got to go to being intellectually honest about what was happening in the late seven, 1700s in North America. There was a whole country being built on the backs of free labor from black folks and the rape and pillage of the Native Americans to take their land. If you start there, I don't know how you can't say it's racist. Or never has been racist, right? Now, I guess, Val, we often talk about how uh, economics does drive this, right? And, 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 of course, you know, the Europeans made a lot of money off of what they were doing, their shenanigans. But by itself, the economics doesn't explain everything because you have to dehumanize people, right, to put them in that position. Uh before we go forward, I want to remind you, you're listening to uh, The Deal with Ed Clark and Val Atkinson. It's Friday, uh, February 2nd, 2024. Uh, we started out talking, Val, about Nikki Haley being on The Breakfast Club. and We played a clip where she said she was discriminated against. Her father was. And then, but she still insists that America is not racist. And, and so... And trying to put this into context, one of the books I know that you you read, and so have I, and it has been turned into a movie, it's called Origin. So we won't do it in any movie spoilers for people who haven't seen it. But uh, and, and I do encourage people to read the book. One of the premises of the author, Isabella Wilkinson, is that people will do nasty things to each other. And, and the reason why it's called cast is in India, ironically, Nikki Haley's from families from India. Ironically, is that there are a group of people in India called, at one point, they were called the untouchables. I guess it's not politically correct to say that anymore. They're called the Dalits, right? And basically, they, they remove dead bodies. They clean out toilets, sometimes with their hands. They got to clean up people's excrement. They're not allowed to go to college with everybody else and so on and so forth. And Isabella Wickersham makes this argument that all the mean things that people do in the world is related to this propensity to for human beings to put people into caste. Right, that's one of her premises, and, and and the same thing happened in Nazi Germany. You had to dehumanize the Jews and put them in a caste of people that you did not want to be part of the society at large. So. Val, you've read the book. Mm-hmm. Tell me, do you buy Isabella Wilkinson's premise that this is more caste-related than race-related or and or is it both caste and race?
2: M- my position is, is that it is both. It is both caste and, and race. Uh, if folks will remember, especially people who study history a lot, Uh, The whole business of racism in America came about because of slavery. Uh, It was difficult to convince some white people that slavery was okay and black folks were inferior. So what they had to do to keep that institution going, to keep the economy going, was to convince them that these people are inferior. They're not. They should be handled this way. The Bible talks about this, so we're doing the right thing by treating them as such. And then came along uh, Friedrich uh, uh, Blumenbach, who came up with the theory of the races in 1793: Uh, the Mongolian race and the Caucasian race and the Negroid race. And he kind of solidified that, that these are the races of man. And he decided that it was going to be stratified and the white race would be on top because of, of all things, cranial size. He thought that that was the first thing that determined superiority or inferiority as far as race was concerned. And then, so here comes these big head white boys and they're supposed to be smart than everybody else. And I said, that can't be <laughs> true. I know a lot of big head white boys that are not smart. As a matter of fact, they are just the opposite of that. But it all boiled down to convincing white people to stay the course, as your favorite president, Ron Reagan used to say, Ed, stay the course and let let slavery survive and let this whole system of white supremacy take hold in America and be the ongoing favorite of all that abide and live here. And that's what started everything. That's why it was so difficult even after the Civil War for reconstruction to take hold. That's why it was so easy after Reconstruction for Jim Crow to take hold. Because down at the bottom where the seeds grow, there was always this thing of racism and white supremacy. Always, always, like you say, from the beginning with the Native Americans, let's kill them. They're in the way of us starting this new world. Bring the white black folks over here and make make them work. We can't do all this work. This land is too big. Too much possibilities of being wealthy. If we had somebody to work it, well, we can't work it. So let's find somebody to do it. And this country was built on that free labor of black folks and brown folks and white folks sitting back talking about what the rules are going to be, and enforcing them and making things go and setting more rules to make sure those rules are abided by. And now we have a situation where every measurable category, you find Caucasian males, Caucasian females, and then everybody else in some stratified type of construct and it's because of the way we started. And it's racism. And I think Isabel Wilkinson does a great job in her book uh, cast. I've read it. One of the best books I've ever read. I haven't seen the movie Origins yet, but it's on my list. I think we will schedule to go next week. And I appreciate you not spoiling it for the rest of us who haven't seen yeah. it yet. But it is, from all uh, indications it, a great movie. And I look forward to seeing it.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I just do encourage people. I'm a movie person anyway. I like to be in the theater and I like to watch movies and uh, I would also encourage people to see uh, two other films. Uh, one uh, is called American Fiction. If you haven't seen that, Val, I'll make that recommendation now. Two, American Fiction is about the uh, duality of, I think, uh, intellectual Black folks that uh, this the uh, the uh, protagonist in the movie is at the, at the academy. and He's writing serious writings, right? But nobody reads them because he's a black person writing. So the only way to get people to read his stuff is to write in vernacular. So he takes on the persona of Stagali, mm-hmm. and 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 eschews everything that he has done in the academy, and of course, that takes off. And I won't talk about the shenanigans that ensue after that. The, suffice to say is that what he learned is that despite all his academic training and his PhD and his serious writing, he's still a black man in America. So that's mm-hmm. that's butted up against what we've been talking about right here, Val, about uh, you know some folks, some brown and black folks saying, There is no racism. Well, American fiction is clearly about racism, about how black people are viewed and put in a box and you can only be this if you're black, right? There's authentic black and authentic black means you speak in vernacular. It doesn't mean that you write a serious work about Shakespeare or whatever, right? Or a serious work about African literature. You can't write about anything other than (laughs) what's happening in the ghetto so to speak. Anyway, uh, the other film that I recommend is uh, a film called The Book of Clarence. Uh, Now, a lot of people have given it uh, not good reviews because they refuse to watch the movie. The movie is a satire, not on religion necessarily, but it does poke fun at Christianity to some degree, but it's a satire. I don't know if you ever saw The Life of Brian back in the day by monty python val but they they had this character who gets mistaken for the messiah and in in this movie is the same except for uh the black guy that gets mistaken for the messiah in in this story in this telling gets stopped by the romans all the time and as for his id (laughs) he owes he owes the loan sharks some money so he's trying to navigate that and then he sees Jesus and he says, this Jesus dude got it made. I'm gonna be like Jesus. And again, I won't spoil it. I will encourage you to watch it. But for some of our church folks, I've, what I've read is they think it's sacrilegious because you you can't depict Jesus in any other way than a particular way. Uh, but I, at the end of the movie, a white person appears, who everybody thinks is Jesus and the Messiah. And it really is, Jesus is really black. And Clarence is, turns out to be, <laughs> closer to God than anybody else. But the white guy gets mistaken as the one that we should venerate. You know what? I hear some music in the background. I'll leave it there. So we, we did our movie, movie recommendations on top of everything. So when we come back, I want, to, I want to switch gears, Val, and talk about what's going on in the Middle East. So everybody stay right there. We'll be right back after this message. It
0: was. It was a tough film to get made if I had gone the traditional route. But I knew that I was get, I would get no's from the studios because it's not the usual studio fair, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. So we just didn't go that way. We reached out to people who were like-minded, who were interested in making things about justice and dignity and legacy and history. Mm-hmm. So we went to nonprofit organizations like the Ford Foundation and Pivotal and, and Emerson, and uh, we held hands with them, and they actually financed this film. So it's not a big studio. It's a bunch of... Uh, Philanthropists. Yeah. It was, yeah. So it was
3: so creative. It was so creative. There's a great article just, just yeah. giving you kudos and Sometimes talking you to about- you go your own it. way. Right.
0: Try a different path. Because you were not going to take no. I was not going to take no for an answer. No. Mm-hmm. And, 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 it, and it just, it goes to show that there are ways outside the traditional ways, the traditional mm-hmm. structures, whatever it is you're doing, a movie or otherwise, find your own way. This episode is sponsored by
2: My Local CFO, helping you build stronger growth by connecting your financial picture to your operational goals. Follow them on Facebook and LinkedIn at My Local CFO, or visit their website at www.MyLocalCFO.com.
1: And welcome back to our second segment of the deal. I'm your host Ed Clark. That's Val Axe. We got a chuckle. Uh, we're in the in the break. We were talking about uh, uh, some jokes that we won't tell <laughs> on on the on the air. Uh, suffice to say, uh, we, we have uh, we have a sixth sense of humor. Anyway, uh, when we uh, started out today, Val, we, we were talking about Nikki Haley, but we were we were talking more broadly about race and race in America, how race is going to play into this election, because Nikki Haley has had to explain on multiple occasions that she does not believe America is a racist country. Uh, I, I watched a full interview with Charlemagne. Uh, I, what I will say about it is he asked some decent questions, but I always get upset with a lot of younger uh, black folks, when they when they do invite people from the right onto their programs, it, it they don't seem to be able to challenge them at a the level that they need to. And I'll just I'll just say it and leave it at that. Charlemagne has millions of followers. I don't, uh, and, but I can still be critical. I I think uh, uh, the level of knowledge and maturity that is required to interview somebody like a Nikki Haley and to challenge her on her notion that there is no racism in America needs a lot more than a morning drive host to talk about. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, and then we also talked about origin uh, is a film about Isabella Wilkinson in her book cast. And then we ended up giving some movie recommendations. I do want people to see Origin. I want people to see American Fiction, and I also want people to see the book of Clarence. I'll throw in. I'll also throw in uh, the Color Purple, um, because apparently the production there is really good, and I plan on seeing that as well. So Val, let's move on. Um, let's go to the Middle East. Um, three soldiers were killed in Jordan. Let's take a look at a clip, and then we'll talk about it
0: today president biden meeting with his national security team in the situation room under pressure to respond after an attack the pentagon says was launched by iranian-backed militias in which u.s soldiers were killed we've now learned the names of the three fallen troops 46-year-old sergeant william jerome rivers 23-year-old specialist brianna alexandria moffett whose family described her as a very loving person a very giving person she loved life And 24-year-old specialist Kennedy Ladon Sanders, her mother, talking to us tonight.
1: She never expressed any fear. And um, Tower 22 is nothing that she ever mentioned to us. She was full of life. Um, She enjoyed life to the fullest. Um, You know, she was just uh, a ray of sunshine for anyone that came in contact with her.
0: The soldiers were killed Sunday night at a small outpost in northeastern Jordan known as Tower 22, where about 350 U.S. soldiers and airmen are deployed. The Pentagon saying a drone packed with explosives hit near a housing area while many troops were asleep. At least 40 troops were injured, including eight who had to be medevaced for further treatment.
1: So about uh, those three troops that were killed, uh, uh, the oldest being in his 40s, They were all part of a army reserve group from Georgia uh, who were in Jordan. Um, I I don't know, I can't can't figure out all the particulars about why American troops are in Jordan. So I'm gonna lean on you here Val. Uh, Why the hell if we're not in a war with anybody and who are we protecting if we have troops in Jordan of all places? What are we protected? How are we protected? And then these people were killed in a drone attack that apparently some things were overlooked. So what's your take on what's happening in in this particular incident?
2: Well, we have been friends with Jordan probably as long as we have any country in the Middle East. Uh, It goes way back to when the King of Jordan was smitten by an actress and and married a white woman. And everybody used to say that the, what he wanted more than anything else, more than being king for life, he wanted to be viewed as, as a Western white man. And he couldn't do that, so he did the next best thing and took his white queen wife back with him. But this uh, entry into the Middle East with American troops, has to do with what was going on in Syria. You know, we had a little war in Syria, we had a little skirmish there. And instead of having troops there, because Russia has troops in Syria, we have troops in a neighboring country of Jordan, so we can keep an eye on things. But we're there to keep an eye on what's going on in Syria and in Iraq, and not too far from Iran, I might add, okay? Uh, so that means that uh, We are there, people know we're there, our enemies don't want us there. And so we become targets. And drones are used now more so than long range artillery was used in World War II or the Korean conflict or even Vietnam. So drones are used, they're less uh, expensive. And we find that uh, we lost three American lives. And in seeing the photos as they were flashed upon the screens, with the, which is not an issue here, but there were three African-American sergeants. Uh, but at any rate, Biden has to do something, and this is an opportunity for the Biden administration uh, with all the talk going around of him losing key black support over what's happening in the Middle East they are taking a real measured approach to make sure everybody knows that we are really going to avenge the loss of these lives. And Biden is meeting with the family of all of the deceased and they're going overboard as far as I'm concerned. I don't think they'd be making this much about this if there were three white soldiers that got killed. I mean, they would Mm -hmm. do something and say something But Biden is trying to make sure that Black people know that we will not let this go. And we're not just going to sweep this under the rug because they're Black. So he's going overboard with it, I think. Uh, We're waiting to see what Lord Austin is going to say. The response is, or more aptly, we're waiting to hear after the fact what the action was. Because they will never tell you in advance what they're going to do they'll tell you what they did and why and how so we're waiting to see that and it will be a measured response I'm sure uh and and then we'll go on to the next step but we are there uh to to deter other people from getting involved now you know what irony is that we send aircraft carriers and troops and everything 8 9000 miles away to Tell other people not to get involved. And they, they're right next door. <laughs> they can throw a rock over there. Yeah. They shouldn't get and shouldn't do anything because we're there. Uh, we, we have a real one-sided position in the Middle East. And I don't know how it's going to end it, but it doesn't look good from my standpoint because I think Middle Eastern is now people outside the Middle Eastern uh, area are seeing that it appears that the United States is leading an effort to finally westernize the Middle East. And I talk about this all the time. It's the last place on the planet that hasn't been almost totally westernized. Mm -hmm. Even they got people in China wearing neckties and three-piece suits and doing day trading, buddy. Yeah. Okay? They got people in Japan who's got the second, third highest economy on the planet ditching their kimonos and wearing uh, double-breast suits, you know? Right. Uh, Hey, uh, the planet is being westernized. Australia, Africa, you name it. India being westernized. The last place on this planet that's holding on to non-western traditions and ideas is the Middle East. Because the way they treat women, the way they dress, the way they talk, the religion that they have, and all of those kinds of things is too non-Western. And that is that is the West's target right now. So you in know, 30, 40 years, you're not going to be able to tell Riyadh from Chicago.
1: Well, that's why I have you on here, Val, because I, I, I had not thought of it that way. Uh, you know, I, I was still thinking that it had more to do with commodities like oil and then the things you can make from oil or whatever and then and all that money but you're right at some point that's going to run out and the, the more valuable asset is people buying western values and not mm-hmm. buying and trading all right is can you have them fully immersed in the american way mm-hmm. and, and 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 you know i, I even see now that uh, last week, James Worthy and a number of basketball players were over in Abu Dhabi uh, for a uh, basketball event, and and then all these men were around him in their Arab garb, and then you, you see <laughs> you see James Worthy and, and all those other people, you know, in Western clothes, and you and it is stark when you look at it. That area has not adopted. Now they, they drive, they drive Maybacks and, 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 uh, they have fancy apartments and they may even buy foreign girls to have fun with. But, but the the Arab women, like you said, are still subjugated. They still, Mm -hmm. uh, decide things by Sharia law, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, and we are going along with it. Now here's the other problem, Val. Let's see if you can help me with this. Uh, Americans aren't very smart. So they don't know what a Houthi is. They they don't they don't know why Iran is and Iraq are different from Saudi Arabia and Qatar and and so on and so forth. Can you make sense of uh because the the, the Sunni that are in Saudi Arabia, like you said, they're not changing their ways. Uh so why does a Houthi in Yemen have to change his ways or or somebody, a Baathist in Syria have to change their ways or a, a Shia in Iraq have to change their ways. But we're friends with the Saudis. How, how, how did that divide come about? Why are there good Muslims? Uh, and I won't even say good Muslim, but why? Why are some Muslims better than others in American foreign policy?
2: Well, it depends on how much the, the, these Muslims listen to Washington, <laughs> how much they allow Washington to run their countries by calling them, say, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing X or Y. Can I go to the bathroom next week?" Uh, but, but all uh, kidding aside, there are some that have really come under the auspices of. Uh, Western society and Western power. And although, you know, they have not uh, jettisoned their government and elected a parliamentarian form of government or a, a democracy or whatever, they still check with the leaders of the Western world before they make a move. Say, we're thinking about doing X or Y or we're thinking about this or borrowing some money from so-and-so what do you think about that? There are those groups of people that check in with us. And if we don't tell them not to do it, we just may say things like, well, that's not exactly what we had in plan. And we got something else that'll come out about a year from now that may help you to accomplish your goals a little better. That's the same thing as saying, hell no, don't do it. Okay. And, uh, and then there are those who tell America, hey, up yours, you know? You don't tell us how to run our country. We do what we want when we get ready to. Now you are on our shit list, okay? Mm-hmm. And we'll do everything we can, and including sending the, the CIA in to overthrow your government or whatever. We'll make you look bad internationally by spreading lies and all of these other kind of things. We'll try to Uh, overthrow your economy, we'll do everything we can to put you out of business because you won't listen.
1: Yeah.
2: And if it really comes down to it and we start a hot war, you know who's going to win that. So you may not want to do that.
1: You may not want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Val, uh, that brings me before we run out of time in this segment to another uh, international issue is the Southern border of the United States. The Republicans have made a lot of hay about the border. They've actually, in in committee this week, recommended that uh, Secretary Mayorkas from Homeland Security be impeached. I don't know on what grounds, but it's more bullshit from them. Let's take a look at a clip about a convoy of people going to the border, and then we'll talk about
0: it. Right now, a group with the intention of stopping migrants from entering the U.S. heads to border towns, including one near Eagle Pass. The Take Our Border Back convoy says it'll be calling on the government to address the crisis at the border. And tonight, some are questioning the group's motives.
3: That's right. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Jonathan Martinez.
0: I'm Mandy Noel.
3: In a video the group posted online, they say they condemn violence and aren't looking to engage with anyone. As News 4 San Antonio's Amanda Henderson reports, law enforcement along the border preparing for the convoy to arrive a bit later this week. 1,500 miles away from San Antonio. The Take Back Our Border convoy has started its journey toward border towns.
2: And, and, and we're ready. We're ready to uh, hopefully peacefully, peaceful,
0: peacefully, and uh, and then nothing will happen.
3: The group's goal, according to their website, is to peacefully assemble on Saturday and call on government leaders to address the southern border. We reached out for comments, but have not heard back.
2: USA! USA!
3: No one knows for sure how many people are arriving, but officials say they're preparing for a large number.
1: So, Val, some vigilante white folks are going to ride down to Eagle Pass, Texas, this weekend, ostensibly to uh, do what Joe Biden won't do, right? That bullshit. Because I know and you know that there is a border security bill that's in the Senate. And it's going to come to the floor probably on Monday. That's a bipartisan bill where the Democrats had to give up a lot. Speaker Schumer, Leader Schumer has already said that, you know, there are provisions in there that Democrats would not normally support, but they essentially have agreed to let the Republicans put in a provision to all but close the border and not, you know, and make asylum very difficult. That's despite all these folks who are here now who pretty much just walked in (laughs) at their will. Uh, and we can carry this over into the next segment if we if we need to, Val, but uh, talk to me about this um, border bill. Uh, it's essentially DOA in the House, right? It's nothing going to happen in the House. T- 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 tell, tell me about that.
2: Well, that's what Speaker Johnson has already said. He said the bill is dead on arrival in the House. When it gets there, it will not happen. Uh, it's been reported that he's taking orders from Donald Trump. And Trump does not want that to happen because he didn't want anything positive to happen on on immigration or the border while Biden is still in office because Biden may use it as a campaign issue as he campaigns against him uh, in the election of, of this year, 2024. So he doesn't want it to happen. Now, the GOP people in the Senate are really dismayed about this because they thought they had a pretty good deal. They thought it was something that could uh, help out on the issue. They had Democrats to come to the table and say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll close down the border. We'll do this, that, and the other, if you'll do this, that, and the other. And this is the first time they got Democrats to say anything like that. And now it's going over to the house and the house says it's dead on arrival. So it just goes to show you two things. One it shows you the power of Donald Trump, that he can uh, make it so that the Speaker of the House, the person second in line to take over the presidency of the United States of America, takes orders from Donald Trump. That's dangerous. That's very Mm -hmm. dangerous. Uh, And the, the, the other thing that it shows you is that Because we have a a bicameral type of legislative government at the federal level, you can't count on any one side of the Congress to do anything and think you got anything going, okay? Because unless you get both sides to say amen, uh, nothing's going to work. So uh, I don't know why so many people in the Senate got a high hopes that maybe we have something now. Uh, before it went to the House, uh, uh, knowing that uh, you got a new House speaker over there. He has a tenuous position. One person can get up and call for his ouster. And he takes orders from Donald Trump, who is in a political race right now for the presidency. So not a lot's going to get done. And this is the way, if this is the way you want it, just keep on playing these games like you're playing them. And this is what you're going to get.
1: Yeah. Well, I I hear some music in the background, Val. Let's take a break and when we come back, we're gonna wrap this up. I wanna talk about uh, something back here in North Carolina that's gonna play into the the majority uh, that the Republicans have or don't have. Uh, uh, One of our congressional delegates, uh, Wiley Nickel in the 13th district has decided not to run. And we wanna talk about why that is and also how the North Carolina Republicans gained a foothold, and whether or not that's going to stand, so stay right there. We'll be right back after this. Message. Attention, all food lovers! Are you tired of the same old meals every day? Want to spice things up in the kitchen? Look no further than King's Pepper. Our website. Kingspepper.com offers a wide range of high-quality spices, seasonings, and blends to take your cooking to the next level. From exotic spices to classic herbs, we have it all. Plus, all of our products are 100% natural and ethically sourced from around the world. Visit kingspepper.com today and discover the flavors that will make your taste buds dance. That's kingspepper.com, where every meal is a flavor adventure. And welcome back to our third and final segment of The Deal. I'm your host, Ed Clark, Bell Atkinson. We're here on a Friday, chopping it up, uh, saving the world from itself. Uh, and uh, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about race. we talked about caste. we talked about class. we talked about... The, the nonsense that's going on uh, in in the Congress over border issues. We talk about soldiers being killed in Jordan and why we can't seem to get on the right side of history when it comes to how we deal with the Middle East. And uh, I, I, I will go to my grave, I suspect, Val, <laughs> with us still up to shenanigans in the Middle East and being on the wrong side of history. At some point, you have to let people actually make a decision about how they want to live. And I I think you hit on something today that, uh, I'm going to have to take really serious from now on is that, uh, until the whole world is Westernized, we're not going to be happy. And, and when I say we, I mean the corporate people who run the American corporations that sell crap around the world, uh, won't be happy until everybody's Westernized in, 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 even if the product is made in China, (laughs) some Americans going to make money off of it either through the stock market or through a company that they own where we sell crap to these people. So uh, thank you for bringing that up, uh, Val, uh, even though it's a sad uh, subject. Uh, Where I want to go now, Val, is at the end, I talked about Congressman Wiley Nickel. Uh, He uh, represents the 13th congressional district here in North Carolina. Uh, he, he was uh, scheduled to be on the program. We, we uh, had some scheduling conflict, so I hope to get him on at some point. Uh, he, he did not uh, decide to run because North Carolina has rigged the district so to be uh, in their favor of the Republicans, even though they're the minority in terms of registered voters in North Carolina. They have a veto overriding majority right now Uh, in the legislature, what they call a supermajority, Val. Uh, So let's start there. Uh, We know the deal, right? They're in charge. They're also in charge of the courts as well, Supreme Court, the North Carolina Court of Appeals. So, Val, can you give, uh, put on your professor hat again, can you give people a primer on how North Carolina got to a point where they have a, a minority group in charge of everything except for the governor's office. And even having a democratic governor doesn't do you much good when he can't veto anything. How did that happen?
2: Well, it happened because the GOP in North Carolina saw that the way to power was not just to get everybody out to vote and outvote them, that you could internally go in and control the legislature and make that the first order of business. If you can control the legislature, you can control everything else. Because by controlling the legislature, if you can get a majority, you can can draw the lines. And once you draw the lines, you can draw the lines that you will have a, not only just control, but a supermajority. And if you can get a supermajority, you control the executive branch now, because his veto doesn't matter, okay? And once you have that supermajority, you can also write laws to talk about board of elections and appointing powers so that things that run elections are done in your way. And now you can affect statewide elections that's not based on districts. So now you can win the court battles the Supreme Court, the Court of Appeals, and what we call the Council of State positions with the commissioners and all of those people. And that's what they did. They did it from the inside out. And now as a minority registered party in North Carolina, they control, have a supermajority in both houses. They have the majority of the council of state members. They have the majority on the courts and they just literally control all there is to control, politically speaking, in the state of North Carolina, being a minority party, it's called minority rule. And my favorite argument is it, and I've said this on this show a thousand times, the two entities of gerrymandering and democracy cannot set horses, okay? You cannot have gerrymandering a democracy, if you allow gerrymandering. And something is going to have to happen some way to affect gerrymandering, or we're going to be in trouble for a long time in North Carolina and states like that that are controlled by the GOP, by GOP legislatures because there's no way you're going to outvote them. Remember, they control the state board of elections. So they can determine things like voter ID, early voting, where precincts are located, what time the polls open and close. They control all of that so they can knock off your edge that you may have had, numerically speaking, for statewide races. That's that's how they do that. It's, It's not rocket science. They've done it all while we have been singularly focused on let's get out the vote let's tell everybody to go vote, let's tell everybody to go vote. And they've been sitting back there at the polls knowing that that is the deal and cutting you off at the knees before you even get started.
1: So you're telling me I got to move to uh, Mars to get away from these people. I I think that's what you're telling me, Val, because uh, they managed to get these districts done, right? Uh, even though the census had already passed, you're supposed to do this every 10 years. And it seems like to me that by the time we can maybe do something about this, I'll be in my seventies. And realistically, if we can't get it turned around, I might as well be on Mars because there's no way that there's going to be a democratic majority back in the North Carolina legislature or on the North Carolina Supreme Court or whatever, because they've finagled their way into all this. Is that what you're telling me, that I have to move I'm, out? I'm
2: telling you that the, the focus has to change. The Democratic focus, and I'll tell you, that there's a lot of folks out there ain't going to like what I'm about to say. But the Democratic focus in North Carolina uh, has been on getting out the vote for certain demographics, in particular, the Black vote, OK? And I'm saying that the black vote alone by itself is not gonna turn this thing around. What is gonna have to happen is that we're gonna have to have a maximum voter turnout of the black vote still. But in addition to that, we're gonna have to go to those people who traditionally vote Republican or GOP or whatever, and convince a sizable number of those people that, man, you got to wake up. And there's more to life than just being a white supremacist. There's more to life than just make sure people are punished because they don't think like, live like, talk like you do. Okay? you got to knock some of those off because the the mathematical example that I give on the show sometimes, Ed, uh, when I ran the numbers here back a few years ago, it was 68%, meaning that if 68% of the white people in North Carolina vote for candidate A, then the other 32% of white people and all non-whites could vote for candidate B and candidate B can't win. If that is the case, what Democrats in particular have got to start doing is focusing on that 68%. If we could get that 68% up, to say 78%, that you have to be, have to get 78% of white people voting to make sure that candidate B King went, then we got a chance. Mm. You've got a chance. So I'm not saying take any effort off of turning out the black vote. We've got to do that. We got to keep up those numbers. But in addition to that, you've got to do something about. Uh, The 68 percent.
1: Yeah. You know, we we didn't talk about this in the lead in Val, but the job numbers came out today as well. And supposedly three hundred and thirty five thousand jobs were added to the economy. Uh, Inflation uh, is down. Gas prices are down. And you're fond of telling me that it don't make any difference. No, you, no, you, it don't you, make any difference. You can have the because the, best. the
2: people, Ed, excuse me, cutting you off. But the, mm-hmm. the people we're trying to get and that we need to get, they're not moved by those numbers.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They they don't believe. Some of them don't believe it. Some of them don't care. Be, because you got people that think they're about to lose their culture. They don't have a job anyway. They're unemployed. They're not going to give up losing their culture just because you're going to give them a job. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that that don't help them. That don't. They don't care about that. If they got to mm-hmm. pay an extra 10 cents a gallon for gas and lose their culture, they pay 30 cents a gallon and keep their culture. Okay. Right. So we are not, we are, we are hammering on the wrong issue if we're trying to get to that 68%. We need to talk about things that they are interested in. We need to go straight to the core and talk about those issues, not these, what we call issue oriented things like the economy and, and school choice and whatever we think the issues are because that don't motivate these 68 percenters, okay? It don't motivate them at all. Uh, wh- what we think that does is turn out more vote and it don't do anything about that. Those mm-hmm. people are gonna turn out or not turn out regardless of what the gas price is, okay? So we got to get off of that stuff and we got to go to those white folks out there and says, hey, man, you know, what kind of country do you want for your grandchildren?
1: Well, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, Val, that brings us back to our big issue for today, which was uh, the whole notion of whether it's caste or class or race that drives yeah. things. And, and clearly it's a combination of all of them, right? It's it's it's. Uh, Uh, Because you identified it earlier. Race is an artificial construct that's fairly new, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, You know, um, there's another good book called The History of White People that I recommend to folks. By Neil Painter. By Neil Painter. Uh, And and, and, uh, and it points out that when Irish and Italians and all of them were coming here, they were Irish and Italian. They were not white. And, right. and and it, they did not become white until it became expedient for the people in charge to make people think that there was some cachet to being white, that that at least you weren't a, a Negro, and right. you need to join our side. And if you look at the Confederate Army, the people they were able to convince to fight on their behalf didn't have any really dog in the fight. They but they but if you talk to a person that's waving the Confederate flag now, it's about heritage. It is not about heritage, it's about how your ancestors were duped into supporting the economic system that Mm -hmm. was driven by race. That that those people, and it's not just in Alabama, I saw a lot of Confederate flags in North Dakota, in Montana. Mm -hmm. And, and, and people move up there to get away from Black yeah. folks, right? They want to have... And this week, Val, there were people, again, talking about Texas seceding from the Union and being their own state, supposedly, over this immigration. But mm-hmm. that's also about having convinced certain white people that they're going to lose Texas to the people who own Texas to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I love that. <laughs> it, is that not ironic? Is that they're worried about losing Texas to the brown people when they went in and killed and ran out all the brown people? Right. I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up, Val. You just can't make it up. Anyway, before we run out of time, this is going to sound completely crazy that we're talking about this. But I want to because it has something to do with the election, possibly. And that's Taylor Swift. Val, Taylor Swift and uh, Mr. Kelsey, who is the uh, tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, are always locking lips. She's always at the games. Uh, he, He used to exclusively date black women. Now he's dating Taylor Swift, but the Republicans are upset about it. I won't show any NFL stuff because we do not have rights to NFL, but this is from Fox News, Val, and then we'll talk about it.
3: Taylor Swift might be the most famous pop star in the world. Right now, you can't go anywhere without seeing her face. Billion-dollar concert tour, Time Mag covers, and, of course, every single Chiefs game. Turns out a relationship with Travis Kelsey is quite popular, generating an extra $330 million for the Chiefs and the league this season. Swifties are a massive and emotional demographic. If Taylor likes something... They love it. Now, the women who run the Biden campaign want to set the big guy up. The most unpopular president of all time wants to have a relationship with Taylor Swift. The New York Times says the centerpiece of the Biden re-election strategy is begging Taylor Swift for an endorsement. Quote, fundraising appeals from Miss Swift could be worth millions of dollars for Mr. Biden. One idea that has been tossed around a bit in jest. Sending the president to a stop on Miss Swift's Eras Tour. So, Val,
1: if people over at Fox think that Joe Biden has worked out a deal with Taylor Swift and the NFL to get the Kansas City Chiefs to win so Taylor Swift can go on TV and say, register to vote, because earlier this year during her tour, she told young people to go out and vote, and there was a surge in young people registering to vote. And and so uh, folks over at Fox News have lost their mind and say that Joe Biden has conspired with the NFL for Kansas City to win the AFC championship so they can go to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Val, in the time we got left here, explain (laughs) to me how crazy you have to be to buy
2: into that kind of bullshit. It, it just goes to show you the type of people that the GOP has you know, in their party now. Uh, they've always had a few crazies. you know, But you know, 20, 30 years ago, they were uh, able to keep them under wraps. And they wouldn't let them have a microphone anywhere near them, or they would bar them from talking to the press and that kind of thing. Now, those same people make up uh, the ruling majority of the GOP. So they can say and do anything they want. And for the rest of us, it sounds, you know, just crazy off the wall, but they've always been that way. They've always been that kind of group. Uh, you know, we talk about here all the time about uh, the, the MAGA group really starting with the Tea Party. and But the Tea Party's been around for a good little while. They just were a back seat, back row fringe. Element within the GOP. And, and now the GOP, then the GOP wanted to win so badly that they allowed these guys to come up and take a, a seat on the front row. If you can bring your people out to vote, you can have a seat on the front row. And then they became uh known to the GOP that, hey guys, you can't win without us. And the GOP said, oh, you know they're right. <laughs> we can't win without them. So then that's how they took over the party. So anything they say or do now that they've taken over the party, uh, I'm one of the last people that's surprised about, I still think it's stupid and it's crazy, but I'm not surprised because I know how they got there. And and they just do crazy stuff, man. And if they come out tomorrow with something even more left, out of left field than this, I won't be
1: surprised. surprised. I'm
2: not surprised anything they say or do.
1: Yeah, well, I won't ask you for your Super Bowl prediction right now because I'll Joe give Biden, it to you. Joe Biden's already got it worked out. <laughs> oh, so so so, are you are you on Joe Biden? Are you working on the Joe Biden conspiracy? Are you going with Kansas City?
2: <laughs> no, but I am pulling in my heart for the Chiefs. That's who I'm pulling for. Okay, but I got this nagging, nagging kind of doubt feeling. That uh, McCaffrey is going to have a field day.
1: I, I had look, we we're thinking the same thing, Val. I, uh, I, Christian McCaffrey is due. The Panthers were crazy in letting him go, they, well, they were also crazy, they were also crazy in letting go of Steve Wilkes, who was the right? interim coach for the Panthers that got them five wins when they had no business winning any games. And then that's right, they bring in Frank Reich, which made no sense to me. And they had a coach, and now, uh, uh, pretty much Wilkes is the associate coach uh, for for the 49ers and is gonna probably lead them to a Super Bowl victory. I I, I will I will give a number next week. I won't give it this week what I think the score is gonna be. Uh but uh I, I need I need to see the injury reports before that. Uh <laughs> in the meantime. That. In the meantime, Val, uh, anything else you want to tell us? Anything we need to be thinking
2: about or uh, before we go? No. Uh, like I said before, the book, uh, the edition, is finished. And uh, we, we're in the process now of publication. And I'll be, uh, this is one of the first places I'll make my announcements as to where you can go and pick them up. I, I think they'll be at all of the stores. Uh, definitely be online on Amazon, a lot of other places, but I just don't know now what uh what my book tour is gonna look like and where I'm gonna be making my stops.
1: Well, I'm gonna be the first in line to get my signed copy uh of okay. the new of the new book. Hey, 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 folks, we have squandered an hour of your time and we appreciate you doing that. As as always, we encourage you to have people join us in our shenanigans. You can go to the deal with edclark.com. Uh, you can also click on the top and get a hold of our feed so you never miss an episode. That way you can subscribe, you can subscribe on YouTube, you can subscribe on Spotify, all the all the usual places where you can find podcasts, either the video or the uh, audio version. Uh, you can also pick it up on Facebook if you're one of those folks who do Facebook. Uh, the feed is always on Facebook as well. Uh, we we try here as hard as we can, not to just run off at the mouth, I know I do. Uh, Val is the smart one, he's the informed party. I, 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 I'm the one that runs off at the mouth. Uh, nevertheless, I think it comes from an informed position and, and, I, and I really do appreciate Val being here with us week after week and trying to tell it straight. Cause a lot of times you turn on the talking heads Val and it's just, you know same old same old and that's not the case here so in the meantime go out and do something good for somebody today that's all we ever ask you to do come back again next week for another edition of the deal have a good day bye